nature of its characters. It's who they are that seems to determine what happens in the story. These are novels in which the characters are three-dimensional, can't be summed up in a sentence or two, and are much more than a type or an archetype. They have a body and blood, bones and brains. Such characters aren't simply slotted into the story like cogs in a machine to serve the process of the story's unfolding. Examples of this might include the wizard, who the story's protagonist depends on for guidance and strategic aid, i.e. Gandalf in J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings trilogy, the noble cowboy gunfighter who rides into town, helps the overmatched family man in his battle with the bad guys, and then rides out again, i.e. Shane in Jack Schaefer's novel of the same name or the brilliant detective who is characterized by his numerous eccentricities, Rex Stout's Nero Wolfe. Now, as much as I've loved reading these books, their biggest doorway is story. And although I'm a huge fan of these three authors and can say with utter honesty how much I love reading them, it's not the depth of the characters that draws me into them the way it does with other novels. In character-driven novels, I can easily imagine them walking down the street, sitting next to them in a coffee shop, or standing behind them in line at the grocery store. They're not necessarily like anyone I know, or for that matter, not necessarily like me, but they do seem familiar in a reassuring way. Unlike a lot of readers of character-driven fiction whom I've talked to, I don't necessarily have to like these people or approve of their decisions or support their choices, but I do have to be able to understand why they do what they do. In Tim O'Brien's In the Lake of the Woods, for example, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for John Wade, the main character, but I believe I know exactly why he did what he did. And by the way, for curious readers, yes, I do have some sympathy for him. Similarly, I defy any reader to admire the way the eponymous main character in Elizabeth Strout's Pulitzer Prize-winning collection of linked short stories, Olive Kitteridge, behaves, but I totally get the reasons why she acts out her toxic unhappiness. Incidentally, I was one of the judges for the Pulitzers the year Strout won, and it was certainly one of my top three books of the year. Another indication to me that a novel's characters are three-dimensional is that when I finish the book, I can't help but wonder what might have happened to them next. I'm left not just with a sense of regret that an engrossing, enjoyable reading experience has come to an end, and now I'll have to find something else to read, as I might be with, say, a good plot-driven thriller, but with the sense that I've been hanging out with a group of interesting people that I've grown to know well, and I'll miss them. Our choice for Seattle Public Library's very first If All of Seattle Read the Same Book was Russell Banks's The Sweet Hereafter, which is divided into four parts, each of which is narrated by a different character. Always, when Banks spoke to the audiences in Seattle, one of the first questions he was asked, and it was my question, too, the first time I read the novel, was, what happened to Billy Ann Sell, one of the four main characters, after the book ended? Now, that's the sign of a writer who has created a character that's become part of a reader's life. I can't imagine a higher compliment to give a writer.
And that's exactly what Ruth Doan McDougall does in each of her novels. The characters are recognizable, familiar, sometimes uncomfortably so, and alive in my mind. I want to know more about them. I want to know how their lives turn out after the end of the book, especially Emily, the narrator and central figure in One Minus One. As I've lived my life since 1971, when I first read One Minus One, I've thought about Emily a lot. Without giving too much of the plot away, I'll simply say that McDougall sets up a dilemma for this now-divorced woman who's making her way through her fourth decade. How do you go on with your life when everything that you counted on, love, a husband, a way of life, has been willfully annihilated by the very person you most trusted? Do you listen to your heart?